Hello beautiful people, you are listening to the voice of David Odejai. This is Half Court Hustle, the basketball podcast dedicated to bringing you the best of NBA basketball news and analysis. As always, there's a lot to get into, but before we dive in, you know where to find me, Instagram, Twitter, use the handle at Half Court Hustle, give me a shout, let's keep the conversation going. Now, on to Game of the Week. This week, I've gone for the Thursday night clash between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, I chose this as my game of the week because, number one, it's a good chance to get to see the Sixers in action. They've been tearing it up to start the season and they are looking like they're going to pose a very strong challenge to the Milwaukee Bucks in order to take the Eastern Conference crown. And Minnesota have been rolling as well. Both of these teams undefeated at 3-0. Carl Anthony Towns has been balling like a monster. So this promised to be a little bit of a clash of the Titans early on in the season. The score was a little disappointing though. Philadelphia managing to get the win over the Timberwolves in a 22-point blowout. Philadelphia 117 Minnesota, 95 points. But look, the real reason why you're here and why I'm here is that almighty kerfuffle in the middle of the third quarter, which ended up in Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid both getting suspended. That fight's done the rounds on social media, so I'm sure you've seen it already. If you haven't already seen it, go look it up, but we will get into that in good time. Heroes of the box score. The Sixers got it done really with a balanced effort all round. Um, despite Embiid leaving the game in the middle of the third quarter, they got good performances from their other stars. Sixers led by Joel Embiid, 19 points off the back of 50% shooting. He looked really good in the post. Tobias Harris added in another 18 points. And the Sixers were all over the Timberwolves on the board. And Al Horford chipped in there, pulling down 16 rebounds. To summarize the game, the Philadelphia 76ers really dominated the Timberwolves from start to finish. Both teams, as I said earlier, unbeaten coming in 3-0. Timberwolves started hot, but the Sixers were just too much for them in this one. Philadelphia won using a combination of excellent defending and rebounding. They really were using their size to abuse the Timberwolves. There were mismatches all over the place. It really was a case of dominating from the post. Joel Embiid in particular had his moments of brilliance and nobody else on the Timberwolves really had an answer for him. Carl Anthony Towns started the game hot he started, I think, with three, went three or four from the three-point line. But the Timberwolves offense just really wasn't clicking in the early going. And outside of Towns, nobody else could get anything in the basket, really. So the Sixers went into the locker room at halftime with a 19-point lead. And really, I don't think it was even that close because the Sixers turned the ball over a bunch of times. But they threatened to run away with this one. Midway through the third quarter... Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns were ejected after a fight broke out. The Sixers were up by 20 at that point. Both teams continued to roll and Minnesota just could not lay a glove on the Sixers in this one. 
they managed to get the game within 12 points uh, going into the early into the fourth quarter, but couldn't get any closer than that. And yeah, the Sixers just rolled through and closed the Minnesota Timberwolves out. So after choosing that as game of the week, a little bit of a disappointing finish. I was hoping for a closer game, but it it was a good opportunity to get a closer look at the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'll have a little bit more of a chat about how that team is constructed and how they did in this game. But before we get to all of that, fireworks really flew in that third quarter. The thing about NBA fights is, you know, there are scuffles, there are little, you know, players start drawing. There's a lot of hold me back. It's not baseball, it's not hockey. You're not seeing blows thrown that often. And so when you see a fracas like this, it makes you sit up and pay attention. But midway through the third quarter, I think you could tell Carl Anthony Towns was getting really frustrated. Uh, his team was down 20 points. And not only was his team down 20 points, but he was having to guard... He was having to guard Embiid and not really doing a very good job of it. So Towns is on offense. Embiid comes over and double teams as he as uh, Towns is posting up Ben Simmons. Towns turns the ball over. Embiid and Towns both have their arms hooked around each other. There seems to have been an exchange of words. Embiid shoves Towns. Towns takes a swing at Embiid and all of a sudden they've wrestled each other to the ground. The benches clear out and all hell breaks loose. It was a a good old-fashioned NBA brawl. Interestingly, so the the punishments have been handed down by the NBA and Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, both of them received two game suspensions. Ben Simmons, who at one point is on top of Carl Anthony Towns and literally has him in a, in a headlock. Like, if, if you go and watch the video, it looks like he's choking Towns out. NBA officials recognised him as a quote-unquote peacemaker. So apparently that was him trying to calm the situation down. I saw the video, Carl Anthony Towns did not look calm, but that was supposedly him trying to keep the peace. So he's not going to get any kind of suspension at all. He's got off Scott Free. And I think he's lucky. Like, he's really lucky in that respect because if you see the video, like, he, he was fully involved in that fracas. The punishments generally are pretty lenient, especially when you look at the type of punishments the NBA has handed down for fighting in the past. Like, there's a really good article on SB Nation about it. That's worth a read. Go check that one out. But, you know, basically... Ever since that famous brawl between Indiana and Detroit back in 2004, the Malice in the Palace, the NBA at that point, David Stern, the commissioner, really started to crack down on violence in NBA games because of this perception that, or this worry that the the NBA as a league would be perceived in a negative light. So after that point, the suspensions being handed down for fights and, uh, you know, little scuffles was really quite extreme. Like a couple of years after the Malice in the Palace, the New York Knicks got into a big fight with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, who was on Denver at the time, sucker punched one of the Knicks players. And then Jared Jeffries, who was on the Knicks, starts running after Carmelo to, to try and do him something. But then he tripped. But because he intended to go get Melo, he was suspended for four games. 
He was suspended for four games for running after another player and tripping over himself. Can you imagine? And these two get into a massive brawl and they get a two-game suspension. If you go back to 2007, uh, Western Conference semifinals, I want to say, I remember the Phoenix Suns, Steve Nash got like kind of bumped to the ground by Robert Ory. Boris Diaw and Amare Stoudemire, they stood up from the bench. They left the bench for like, like maybe two or three seconds. And basically the rule back then was if you leave the bench, it was an automatic suspension. Both of them were suspended for one game in the playoffs for standing up and leaving the bench. So that just shows you just how much the NBA's attitude to fighting has changed in the last few years. And look, you know, nobody, no players shouldn't be fighting. But I'm not going to lie with you. This is why we watch the sport. We love to see that competitive spirit. We love to see the energy. We, we love to see the fire. And nobody wants to see players get suspended for like 10, 12 games because a couple of people threw a punch at each other. These are these are athletes. They're superstars. They're also grown men. So I'm all right with the NBA softening its stance on fighting. It makes the game a little bit more exciting. I know it's bad to say, but, um, you know, those are my thoughts on that. Philadelphia, Philadelphia have some serious hype. And I, I talked about this with uh, the Lakers in my episode on the season opening, but the Sixers look to be just as just as tall. When you look at their starting lineup, when you've got Ben Simmons on the floor, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Horford and Joel Embiid, the shortest starter on the Philadelphia 76ers is Josh Richardson, and he's six foot six. So that that that's a that's a big team. And it caused real issues for the Timberwolves in this one because no matter who had the ball, they could just head down into the post and, and bully their way to the hoop. And if you didn't send a double team, yeah, that was that. Joel Embiid on Carl Anthony Towns pretty much got whatever he wanted. Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris were, were giving the Minnesota guards quite a bit of trouble as well, which is saying something since they got Robert Covington, who is one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. And, you know, Minnesota just didn't have an answer for any of those guys from start to finish. As I said, it was a real... A real dominating performance by the Sixers and the mismatches were a real part of that. Al Horford is such a boost to this Philadelphia team because even watching it in this game, he's just, he's able to anchor a defense and he has more than enough offensive talent to hold his own. So, you know, he's going to give you, he's going to give you double digit points, but it takes so much heat off of Joel Embiid because what it means is not only does uh, Horford give Embiid the chance to sit down and not really have the defense suffer that much, but when Horford and Embiid are both on the floor together, Embiid doesn't have to guard the best big man on the other team. And so in this game, Horford could guard Carl Anthony Towns uh, on the perimeter because Horford has, he's like a quite an agile guy for somebody of his size. So even if you have those sort of uh, unicorn-like big men who stretch the floor and can hit three-pointers, Horford can go out and meet them on the perimeter. And that leaves Embiid not having to expend as much energy on the defensive end of the ball. So when Embiid wants to go into the post, he has so much more energy. 
on the other end of that equation, you had Carl Anthony Towns. And not only was he having to try and find some points in a really sputtering Minnesota offense, but he was also having to go back on the other side of the ball and have Embiid just like pummel his way to the basket. And that's got to really take the fight out of you, man. Embiid just basically, if Embiid was in the post and he had a one-on-one matchup, yeah, it was two points and it didn't really matter who Minnesota put on him, like uh, had his way with Carl Anthony Towns, had his way with Noah Vonley. Um, He struggled with a couple of the double teams that Minnesota threw his way, but then they just didn't really do it consistently. I, I didn't quite understand that. I don't think it would have made a massive amount of difference given the scoreline and given just how overmatched they were. But yeah, at least try and double the guy more than once a quarter. So that's that. Sixers notch up another win and are the only team in the NBA at this moment who are undefeated. They go on a 4-0 start for the first time since 2001. That magical season with Allen Iverson. Okay, and now just a quick whip round for news happening around the association. Not great news on the injury report, starting with Stephen Curry, who went down in the Warriors' blowout loss to the Phoenix Suns on Thursday night with a broken left hand. The former MVP suffered the fracture after driving against Phoenix center Aaron Baines in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, landed really badly on that left hand. It was a, it was pretty ugly to see. He underwent surgery on Friday and they're now saying, the Warriors medical staff are now saying that he's going to be out for at least three months. Now, if the Warriors playoff hopes weren't over at the start of this game, they're over now. They're over now. Because let's just say that the Warriors weren't exactly looking... They weren't exactly looking effective, even with Curry on the floor. The Suns were up 29 points at the, at the point that Curry went out. And they gave up, I think it was 43 points in that first quarter. They were down 43 to 14. At that point, they were getting absolutely steamrolled. And I don't know what I don't know what Steve Kerr is going to do about this team because there's just not. It doesn't seem like there's enough talent to really put up a fight in the games that they are playing in. Clay Thompson's not going to be back until the new year, really. Like, if he's back at all this season, if anything, the Steph Curry injury probably takes a bit of heat off Kerr because now there is zero expectation for this Warriors team. Like, that's that's the end of it. And after a half decade of pure domination, it is more than a little sad to see the Warriors go down like this. In slightly less tragic news, uh, Trey Young went down with an ankle sprain against the Miami Heat on Tuesday. Luckily for him, it doesn't look like it's going to be anything debilitating and Young should be able to make his way back to the court by as early as next week, really. Um, Trey Young has been absolutely killing it in the first few games of the season. He's been averaging just over 26 points, seven assists, and a scorching 50% from the three-point line. 
So, yeah, luckily for the Hawks, Young should be back and up and running soon. Friday night saw a classic game between the LA Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks. The Lakers coming out on top 119 to 110 in that overtime game. Uh, LeBron James and Luka Doncic made history by becoming the first players on opposing teams to put up a triple-double with at least 30 points, 10 rebounds and 15 assists. The Lakers improved to 4-1 on the season and head to the top of the Western Conference standings. And finally, to close out, how about this for a scoreline? On Wednesday night, the Houston Rockets beat the Washington Wizards 159-158. to And no, that's not a triple overtime score. You are looking at 48 minutes of regulation basketball. Wow. The Rockets came from behind, putting up a ridiculous 48 points to close out the game in the fourth quarter. Bradley Beal and James Harden had a hell of a scoring door. A hell of a scoring door with Beal putting up 46 points and Harden with a video game stat line. He had 59 points and nine assists on the night. The game went all the way down to the wire. Uh, Bradley Beal got fouled at the three-point line with less than a minute to go. Hit all three of those. The Rockets come down the other way. Harden gets fouled. He can only hit one, putting the Rockets up by one. So Washington have the chance to come back and win the game. But they lose the ball in the backcourt. Turnover to Houston. Game over. And listen, if that NBA 2K-like scoreline wasn't crazy enough, check this out. The Rockets took a total of three mid-range jump shots in the entire game. Now, if that's not an indication of just how much basketball has transformed in the NBA over the last decade, I don't know what is. So anyway, that is it for this week. It's certainly been an action-packed week of basketball. I'll be back at the same time next Sunday Thank you for listening. As always, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter using the handles at Half Court Hustle. But until next time, see you later.